so excited about these icy uniforms. And I'm sitting here the whole time going, icy means an L. Icy always means an L. What's up, guys? I'm Matt. I'm Will. And this is the Carolina Way Podcast. Bernard to the 40. Will they catch him? Inside the 20. Giovanni Bernard. Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. The ceiling is the roof. That's what it's all about right there. That's on the floor. That's on your shirt. That's in your heart. That's why we're all here. Will, do we have to do this podcast? <laughs> uh, I mean, hopefully this is one of the first stages of, uh, what is this, like the de- denial, acceptance, <laughs> grief yeah. stages right here. Um, we're definitely not in the denial stage anymore, and that's the problem is that I think we know exactly who we are at this stage of the season. Well, the thing is we've been through with Carolina sports. Well, we had a podcast when we first started through basketball season called This is a Safe Space. Okay, and more so than ever, this is a safe space, Will, because we have a lot of things we want to get off our chest, a lot of feelings that probably all Carolina fans are feeling, um, anger, disappointment, um, maybe a little bit of hope that we could have for the rest of the season, who knows, and uh, we're going to get into it, but overall, just a disappointing loss. I mean, if anything else, I mean, the silver lining on this podcast is boy, do we have a lot of content to get into this week. If we would have just steamrolled Georgia Tech, we might not even have come out with a podcast just because there wouldn't be anything to talk about because that's what we expect. But here we are, so many storylines um, with the result of that football game on Saturday night. Uh, and it's not even too much about the rest of the season. It's just talking about what has transpired over the entire offseason, ever since really the Orange Bowl game against Texas A&M, where I think that was probably the all-time high hope level for UNC football, even after the loss, just because we saw so many returning starters you know, for this season for UNC that we saw in that game, stepping up for players that were going pro, and we had a good showing, great showing, and we heard it all during the offseason, and it even rubs me even worse of the wrong way too because as a Patriots fan you know I've been around I've been seeing Tom Brady all of these years and it doesn't matter who his running backs are who his receivers are maybe the tight end matters a little bit with Gronkowski but other than that he can plug in and play with anyone else on the team and it always works so now you bring in Sam Howell who we were led to believe is the best like at least a top three Heisman Howell Heisman Howe, top three pick, no doubt. It's just on, on if you want Spencer Rattler or Sam Howe as your quarterback. And that's it. No other contention in terms of being drafted whatsoever. So I was like, okay, perfect. Sam Howe, he's so good. He's like a collegiate Tom Brady, essentially, if you're going to win the Heisman, right? And he'll be able to make it work. We also saw these players in their freshman years and even coming in, too, that we thought it would work. Like Josh Downs, among others, like Emory Simmons, uh, Brown, uh, tight ends with Walston, uh, it goes on, right? And it's just, and even with the running backs, we thought we were stat there that it would just work, but it didn't at all this past week. Yeah, and you see in the Texas A&M game, like the O line looks good. The O line doesn't look like an obvious problem. Um, you're playing against a top defense in the country, the first team out of the playoff. 
And now the the O-line all of a sudden is falling apart every game. Like, they just obviously cannot do their job. And, I, like, I, I'm not believing in this, oh, we have a few injuries. Like, you know, you still have three or four veterans up there that should be doing their job the right way. And it looks like a complete problem with all of them. So it is very disappointing. As you said, Texas A&M was the highest of the high. Obviously a false hope. Um, a lot of those weapons that we thought we had are not what we thought they were. I still think Sam Howe is, you know, one of the greatest things that ever happened to Carolina football. I think he's frustrated with the little bit of help he has. I think he's he needs to do a better job of getting rid of the ball and, and things of that nature. But also, offense coordinator needs to get the ball out of his hands quick. So it goes around. Like, we're not placing the blame on anybody. Uh, defense wasn't good. And and the, the thing that makes me maybe the angriest is that this team still has so much potential because the defense plays great one half, offense plays great another half. It isn't like they look bad all the time. If that was the case, I would just say, oh, we have no hope. But the inconsistency is, is really what the problem is, and that mainly, to me, goes on coaching. I mean, at one point, I believe this was the first half, Matt, because I was pretty much shut out of the second half, so I really think this was the first half. We got... I guess it was a nine-yard play on first down. It was second and one. And I was just thinking, man, we should have gotten a first down here because I have zero hope that we can get an easy yard anywhere on the entire football field. And this is on our half of the 50. We had already gone for it on fourth down one time earlier in the game around the 50-yard line, and we I think we were lucky to get that one. But here, second down, it was a like, horrible play call. Third down, the same thing. And then all of a sudden on fourth down, I was like, I mean, we kind of have to go for it because of the score, but I didn't think that we had any go-to play that could get, always get some easy yardage. Like, even some pick plays or anything like that, it was just always something going against us. I can't remember what the foul numbers were in the game either, but uh, we weren't disciplined either to have so many penalties because when you're not playing well and then you have the penalties, that just shoots yourself in the foot even more. Um, I mean, I'm not going to gloat. I said this last week on the pod, uh, two weeks in a row on the pod now, from what our friend Mandy said. She said, oh, if, you know, Sam Howell wants to be a running quarterback, boy, do we have the position for him. The position is still open, Sam, if you want to still be a running quarterback. Uh, you know, I didn't love it as much. I know you and George were joking about it last weekend. You know, it's great when he can pick his moments, but it seems like we went into the game with the game, I guess Longo had the game plan of using his running more than his throwing. And then that's when we kind of get away from it. Like, if you can use it with his throwing, like, use it absolutely good accuracy, passing first, and then throwing some of these runs, it's great. But just Sam Howell running the football is not enough to make the defense too worried. Yeah, and, and back to what you said, Mac mentioned on that uh, that drive where we couldn't get that one yard. He goes – if it takes three plays for you to get one yard, you have a lot bigger problems than just that one yard. Um, you have defensive problems. You have, I mean, you have offensive problems. Um, the play calling is sometimes suspect, uh, but still, you it can't just be all placed on like Longo because, I mean, what are you supposed to do if your offensive line can't block good enough to get one yard for your running back? So there are questions, um, as you said, like Sam Howe. Listen, the O line. Is such a problem that he's having to run out of necessity. So I don't think we should draw up plays for him to run because he's already running, you know, half the plays out of necessity. 
So let's not make it more on him. I mean, the, the guy is going to end up getting hurt because he's not a big guy. Like, Sam Howell isn't a freak of nature like Lamar Jackson or anything. Let's be honest. Um, he's a great throwing quarterback, and, and, and that's what he was before this year. I don't know why it suddenly has changed. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. Defensively, we weren't great. We weren't very disciplined. Um, we were out of position oftentimes. I know Gimmel is, like, doing everything he can. My God, Gimmel had, like, every tackle, it seemed like. We missed so many tackles. I feel like I'm watching the Larry Fedora era all over again. <laughs> and, and that wasn't a problem the last two years. So, like, what's confusing is we have more talent, but the talent isn't playing as well as the untalented guys. Like, somebody like Chas Surratt goes from quarterback to linebacker and tackles so great. So, that same defensive coach that taught him to tackle, you're telling me you can't teach these five-star, four-star guys to tackle? That have played it their entire life, Yeah, right? played it their entire life. So it's like, it's all confusing. I don't know where it stands. Like, what is the problem? We have so many of them, I can't sit here and just be like, oh, this is the problem. And it, yeah. and it sucks. Yeah, so I haven't gotten to touch on the defensive part yet, but I thought the first part of the game, Matt, I thought we came out really well. Miles Murphy was a man possessed down there in like the first few drives consistently getting tackles uh, behind the line of scrimmage. He looked great, I thought. Um, and really the whole defense did. Their quarterback that they had brought in there, the one that started the game, he didn't do anything at all. No. Uh, he couldn't throw the ball. He couldn't run the ball. And we had great pressure. And then we had that great special teams play. And we got the block on the punt, short field. Even though we didn't score on the first drive, we scored, I believe, off that drive uh, to get us a lead at the beginning. And we've it's kind of interesting. We've had the lead besides Virginia Tech. We had the lead very early against Georgia State. Then the rest of the first quarter, going into halftime, Georgia State gets back into the game a little bit. I mean, it was like a 10-point game at halftime. It was close. Yeah, because I didn't cover the spread. That's why <laughs> I know that. Uh, and then the next game, so let's see here. Was that Virginia? Yeah, Virginia we yeah, were So up. Virginia, we got the strong start, yeah. right? And then um, Virginia took the lead at halftime, right? Yep. Yes, yeah, not back in there. Same thing here. Uh, Georgia Tech, after we had the 7-0 lead, all the momentum, then they get back into the game. So it's not even like it's a bad start. But somewhere after we have a great start, we just have a huge letdown. And I'm not sure exactly where that comes from. I, I, I have not really seen such a quick switch from having great starts for the past three weeks now. And then it just like unraveling all within the same quarter, basically. It's kind of like bizarre. Yeah, we're like the opposite of the, the prime Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors would win a game in the third quarter. It seems like we lose a game every second quarter. And that's, that's where we're at. It, I will say this game, it seems kind of maybe obvious what happened. Jeremiah Gimmel kind of told on his defensive coordinator a little bit when he said, we did not prepare at all for that backup running quarterback. Now, running mobile quarterbacks have been a problem since 2019. Like, we have not been able to stop. We have made quarterbacks look like Michael Vick out there almost every game. So, for us not to prepare for a guy that was expected to come into the season and start, even though Yates um, ended up getting the starting position, it's always a possibility that he comes in. So, for us not to prepare at all for a mobile quarterback, that was a head-scratcher, and Gimbal kind of told him that. Um, and all they did was run with that guy. That guy might have had one pass, man, that, that hurt us. He would 
fake a handoff and run to the right every time, and there was nothing at all we could do about it, which is simply amazing because I truly think Jay Bateman is a great defensive coordinator, but they all looked lost on the sidelines. Hey, they must have been listening to the Carolina Way podcast too much last week because we didn't talk anything about this backup quarterback who apparently is uh, a Heisman <laughs> contender with how he played. And he's gotten to play already some this season too because I think he got injured and then came back. So he, I think he at least started the season – but, yeah, I guess we didn't do our research either right. and knew that this guy behind him we was not good. We don't get paid for it, Will. We don't get paid for it. We don't get paid nearly enough for it yet. But Yates, I mean, call me crazy, though, but Yates and the backup quarterback, I know what Gimmel says, but the quarterbacks are kind of the same player. The Yates guy, I'm going to look up his stats real quick. He wasn't throwing the football either, Matt, so I don't know exactly how much you, how much more preparedness you needed for that quarterback than what you just saw. Um, but obviously, like the announcers were pointing out times where two of our players were attacking the same gaps on the outside, and yep. it was hilarious one time. We just like sent everyone, and then he could have just picked a hole and just yep. ran back up the middle, and it was just absolutely nobody uh, for like 50 yards. is unreal. And so many times our linebacker or defensive lineman gets to the quarterback and completely misses him. Like, nowhere in the picture. The quarterback makes one little move and is gone. I'm not understanding, like, the problems because, as I've said, you know, we always say in basketball, five stars aren't everything, but it's seeming like these high recruits have so much potential. But it just seems like fundamentals are, are off a little bit. As you said, yeah, obviously that backup quarterback was didn't seem like anything special coming into the game. But they used him in the way that they knew we couldn't defend. We, we continue to struggle against running quarterbacks. And, heck, they pretty much used him as a wildcat running back because every time, hike to him, either hand to the running back or he was running. Like, it wasn't any secret. It wasn't like they are doing anything crazy. Andy Reid wasn't out there calling the Chiefs uh, offense. Like, it, it was frustrating to watch because it reminds me of old triple option Georgia Tech, which was the most boring offense ever, and they're just running it down your throat. Like, it was almost old school Georgia Tech. Yeah, so Jordan Yates was 3-for-6 when he was in there in the game with his passing. And, yeah, kind of like what you said, it was really just the running attack. And I was really happy with how our defense had played the first half, you know, even with some of the letdowns that happened. But because Sam, um, the offense, not just Sam Howell, but the whole offense with where we were putting them in positions to have to play with the, the fumbles uh, Georgia Tech should have gotten a touchdown when they ran and fell at like the 20-yard line, 25, put our defense in that position. Um, when we didn't convert before midfield, that was another one as well. Um, and then we had the other fumble too in our whole half of the field. So I feel like they could have been a little bit tired and, you know, they're holding them to some field goals or, you know, good enough chances in the first half that I was fine. But then in the second half, it was just that we couldn't stop them with the whole field. And that's why I lost hope in the game was even if we were, you know, kind of scoring a little bit and uh, getting a couple touchdowns just to make it look a little better. Uh, I guess we had two touchdowns, I guess, in the second half. I had no hope that our defense was going to stop them. And even if they did, it'd probably be at like our like 30-yard line before we stopped them and all these seconds would be off the clock as well. So I don't know what's going on with that either. Um, but, I mean, if you can't stop a Georgia Tech – running attack like that when they don't have a threat to throw 
Um, you know, I don't know how much hope you have against some other uh, teams in the ACC as well. Because, you know, Georgia Tech isn't doing anything too special from, you know, any other team really. Like anyone could probably do what they did um, with how they played. So that leaves me a little concerned for, honestly, like any game left on the schedule. And that's what's amazing, Will, is like offense can't get it going, but defense is doing such a great job, right? Like defense like, okay, we've held – we held Georgia Tech to 13 in the first half. Like, offense is good. We're good. Just get it going. Defense will keep it going, and we'll win this game. Then you go into the second half. Offense gets it going, tr- going down the field pretty good, and the defense just collapses. And that's where, like, I don't feel bad for them. It's not like we're a mediocre team because they show such, like, instances of being great on both sides of the ball. So that's where the frustrating part is. I don't know. I'll tell you. What really hurt my feelings the most out of all this? Tell us. It, and it hurts me. It still hurts. I, can't, I, I barely can even say it, Will. Clemson loses. Clemson loses right before our game, right? The ACC is wide open. You have a two-loss Clemson. It is up for grabs. Carolina is supposed to be the next up, right? This is what everybody's saying. Carolina is the next school. If Clemson ever falls, it will be because Carolina makes them fall. Well, Clemson falls, and Carolina falls at the same time. And we were never there. We, we were never at the top of the, the ACC triangle. So it's like, this is the year, guys. This was the year to do it. And, and it's not completely over, but, man, you already got two coastal losses. I mean, it, it was the opportunity, and that's what really hurt out of all of it. Because after that Clemson game, I'm like, oh, man, we are set up. Well, for me, after seeing week one Alabama play – my thoughts about winning a national championship this year are off the table completely. I think only a few schools can even go to sleep dreaming about a national championship if you're not Alabama at this point this year. A couple SEC schools probably have a chance, but obviously no ACC school should have that um, as a goal or checklist item to accomplish this year because it's not happening. So that told me, even after the VT game, because we were 0-1 at that point when Alabama had played, I was like, all right, I don't have to get into the top four. That's fine. But a good leap for UNC, though, would, to, like we said, be the preseason coastal favorite and actually deliver on the promise. VT was, um, you know, it's a long season. We just played them week one. Anything can happen. I think they've gotten a loss to West Virginia. So, I mean, they're completely, um, I mean, they're gettable as well in the coastal. So, you know, you had to at least think that UNC would have an opportunity if you ran the table within the Coastal, not even with Notre Dame on the schedule, getting these tough games to come to Keenan, that it would work out for us to be there at the end. And then you could still get the opportunity to play Clemson. And being Clemson for the ACC would be all that any UNC fan could really hope for, not even caring about what happened with the – the playoffs at that point. If you could beat Clemson, that would be huge, especially on that stage for the ACC championship. Um, but now Clemson falls, and, you know, I mean, I haven't really looked around too much with the analysis, but the ACC has to be out of the playoffs at this point. Clemson's not going to get in with two losses because the ACC is weak. Because um, Florida State, who was supposed to look good against Notre Dame, hasn't won a game yet. <laughs> um so, I mean, I just don't know what to think at this point. I know we, we have a ton of games left, and, of course, I'll, I'll still be at all the home games, of course, but 
there's just nothing. Like I guess the games aren't too consequential at this point. Like, oh, so what if we lose to Pittsburgh on on a Thursday night again this year? Like, in the grand scheme of things of the season, it probably won't mean that much, um, unless maybe goal um, bowl contention is on the line. But yeah, and if and if bowl contention is on the line, then man, how wrong were we about this season? If we're playing, if we're playing for a bowl, we're very wrong on the season, and that, and that's a very real possibility. I don't know. Now we're really just playing for upsets and moral victories. We're playing to obviously beat Miami. We're playing to upset Notre Dame. Um, and we're playing to grow as a team so we look good next year. I mean, that's, I feel like that's, that's really what we aim for at this point. I'm going to say this. If our, if our O-line are all juniors and seniors, mostly seniors I want to say, and they're that bad, put the young guys in and let's get ready for next year. Well, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because we did that against Wake Forest at home last year. The secondary was not performing, and I don't know who made the call, but someone had to make the call and say, uh, let's just try out the young guys, and it kind of worked out for us. Yeah. So I'd like to see if we, if that was just pure luck last year that we did that. Uh, and I wouldn't mind, of course, seeing the young guys, and there's nothing wrong with, of course, building for the next year anyway. Um, I have no problems with that whatsoever. Yeah. I would like to see guys that we thought were, you know, like maybe the cream of the crop on the team, kind of step up and solidify themselves. Not maybe not just in the next year, but also pro potential as well. So a guy like Tony Grimes, um, love to see some more plays out of him. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know if he's had the season that he wants to so far yet, but we still have tons of games left, and he's basically a true freshman still. So I think still getting guys like him plenty of game time and opportunities to get better is also good. Yeah, and like, I mean, the biggest bright spot of the season, in my opinion, has been Jaquarius Conley. Like, Conley's looked great every game. Um, you know, the biggest thing that stands out is Sam Howell doesn't have much help um, from his O-line and even maybe playmakers like he had. There's no excuse for four interceptions and I want to say he has five fumbles now. Um, that is nine times you've given the ball to the other team. Cannot happen. Like, it it cannot happen. And NFL scouts are going to look at him and say, look, guy, you had to get rid of the ball. Like, if you look – Tom Brady does something better than anybody. And it isn't just throwing the ball or winning. It's when Tom Brady realizes he, some, there, nobody's open, he gets rid of the ball better than anybody. Like that is something that makes him special. And Sam Howe has to learn to do that. And it's always been a problem, but I think he's always had that weapon that he can just throw that thing down the field and somebody's going to go get it. And he doesn't really have that this year. Even Josh Downs didn't really do anything. It, he really uh, almost got knocked out on a hit, and he wasn't really right after that. But, you know, everybody shows spurts. Sam Howe looks great at times. Ty Chandler looks great at times. Defense looks great at times. Um, Josh Downs looks great most of the time. So, it's like we have a team. It's just none of them are great at the same time. And it's funny you mentioned that about Sam Howell and throwing the ball away. At VT, in the second half, he tried to throw the ball away and still threw the interception. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't just say you're going to throw the ball away and say, like, oh, the play's over. You actually got to throw the ball away, yeah. <laughs> uh, too. Like, there's something to be said for that, too. And I guess, obviously, he just hasn't really practiced too much with – uh, just giving up on plays 
And I guess you kind of see that in games sometimes. You're trying to do a little bit too much. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't help with just getting zero time to throw the ball. I mean, if he has a play-action pass, I guarantee you he's basically sprinting back, trying to turn around to see from what angle someone's going to try and tackle him at because it's just that quick. Uh, so then all of a sudden you can't really do much if you don't have a running game. And obviously they think that you're not going to be too much of a threat on throwing it downfield for having time. So then the next thing is just to attack you because you're going to have to be running anyway. And um, and we saw that this weekend. Yeah, and like Longo knows football a hundred times better than any of anybody listening to this podcast and me and you will. Like Longo is obviously a genius. He's Division One top level, um, but he is known. He is a, a offense coordinator that you know big play guy, and he's been a big play guy at Carolina. Like he's drawn up great big plays for great weapons. Well, this year we really don't have those weapons, and a big play takes time to happen. And this year, Sam Howe doesn't have time to wait for that, for Josh Downs to go all the way down the field for 30 yards. So it seems like, and, and you talked about like play, play action, he doesn't really even have time to fake a handoff to a running back. So at this point, you're kind of going to have to go to that old school Patriots offense, it seems, and get the ball out real quick and, and run a quick slant or something and get the ball out of his hands quick, at least until you can set up for that big play. But I don't know, like, I hope they'll get it figured out. Listen, message boards are calling for people to be fired, this, that, and the other. It's not – we got to relax. we got ahead of ourselves. Um, there was an article written this weekend by USA Today that called us the biggest frauds in college football. I don't think we're frauds. Um, once again, the media created that, that narrative that we are this. Um, I never thought we were a playoff team or anything like that. I thought we would compete for the ACC this year. Maybe we're not there. But don't get me wrong – with the recruiting class coming in and the young guys we have right now, we will be better next year than we are this year, no matter what. Whether we were winning the Coastal this year or not, we were going to be better next year. So it's not panic time. Carolina fans love to go crazy um, because we love to win and we're passionate about it. I like it. But I'm going to give the guys time. I still love Mac Brown. Um, I'm sure he still has faith. It does suck that it seems like we're not playing for much. But the future is still bright, and we can't forget that. Yeah, I guess in, if you look around to every uh, coach out there right now and every college football program, there's only a few, I guess, that are at this point in the season playing for a conference championship. So it's nothing like UNC is in the minority here that all of a sudden that the season may be seen as a throwaway season or something like that. No, like most teams, there's a dominant team in the conference or you've already lost a game or two that like your season's not already dictated for you, but if you like your top goal was maybe out of reach at this point for a lot of different teams. But let me say this one thing and then I got a question for you here, Matt. But yeah, getting to the Matt Brown thing, I, I haven't looked at the message boards, but of course on Twitter, people are going crazy. Our boy Coach Glover was combating that. He was yeah. on the front lines fighting that uh, brave man for doing that because <laughs> I just I just have no um, no heart to even try and fight with some of these trolls that are saying like, oh, fire Matt Brown. Like, let's, let's be real also that we've said this for, I guess, the whole offseason, and we've known this, that Matt Brown, what he prides himself on is coaching the coaches really hard and then he wants those coaches to then coach the players that from what we understood was he's not always just going over the, all the assistant coaches heads 
He prided himself on getting like these great assistant coaches, having them stay in the building, and then he could coach them up, and then they could then influence the rest of the team. And he was more of the executive administrator role that, of course, he knows everything that's going on, but he lets his coaches coach, which we really appreciated. And we've seen some flubs with Mac Brown with some late-minute um, situations like VT, uh, I guess, two seasons ago when we were in Blacksburg with like some timeouts, some call-ins with that, um, and some little things here and there. Um, and then now the new thing is not being able to prepare the team for road games when you're a ranked team. I think now we're like a 0-5, I think in prime time games now we're like 1-7, and, one and 1-6. One and Some It's a bad record like that too. So I don't know where that falls with being prepared that the assistant coaches aren't coaching as hard to get ready or or what the responsibility is with that. But um, – but yeah, no, I, I never thought that it was. This shouldn't be Matt Brown's fault at all, because his big thing is bring bringing the excitement to the program, and he's doing that. He's doing the recruiting, killing all that. So I think he does everything basically ahead of time before the game day comes, and then on game day, that's where our assistant coaches take over and do their role. That's just how I see it, though. But my question for you is, are we ever going to wear the Stormtrooper outfits again? <clears throat> You know, well, if they ever hire me at this university, we won't. Okay, because whoever made that executive decision, you know, we warned them. Well, if you listen to the Carolina Way pod, we told you, do not wear these all-white uniforms. Tyler Sellers, high up in the football room, I'd like to say, head manager, he said, do not wear these Stormtrooper uniforms. And we did because we got overconfident, Will. We said, oh, Georgia Tech. No big deal. We're not even playing at Georgia Tech. We're playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is made for us. We gotta look nice. What do they call it? Icy will? Was it icy? <laughs> I mean, I mean, they even pressured you in deleting your comment. Yeah, like, you they did. They, they were we so excited, about this. so excited about these icy uniforms, and I'm sitting here the whole time going, "Icy means an L. Icy always means an L." So. I hope we learn from our mistakes now. Like, wear some blue shoes or something. Stop with the all-white. doesn't even need to be played with anymore. I hope this settled that debate. I know, Matt. I got bullied (laughs) online, and it was disgusting. And I guess no one else really knew what the implications were. And I even had said, if you're going to pick a game to wear the white uniforms, if, if you look at the whole schedule, this is probably the game to wear them, and it still doesn't work for us. So what does that tell you moving forward? Uh, that we, we just shouldn't be wearing them. But of course, go ahead and timestamp this, save it, whatever you want to. We're going to be coming back to it again next year because UNC just can't help themselves. We're coming off the Virginia game where we were told how soft we were. So then all of a sudden we have a game where we didn't look soft in the second half, mind you. And then we're all saying, oh, we're the tough team now. Virginia's soft, screenshotting their guys on the bench. Our guys, I saw one of our players crying during the game to Georgia Tech. Ridiculous. Oh, oh I didn't know. You about didn't this. see that? No. They're showing it on. Well, they're showing the game, and a guy on our team was crying, and I just thought it was unbelievable that that was happening for us. We so, could be I mean, Ohio we, State, and and our guy quits mid-game and tweets um, explicit of hey, Torres. I would, <laughs> I would love to have that passion for the game. I will say this. Um, we we cannot fall apart. The fan base can't fall apart. 
the program can't fall apart. We have to handle this adversity. Um, we, Mac Brown, if you ask me today, I still believe Mac Brown is a hundred and a million percent the guy to run this program. I believe he loves North Carolina. Ryan Switzer coming back this weekend for Duke. Um, he's getting the alumni to come back. The excitement is still there. We just need prime time results. If you want to wear the IC uniforms, schedule Wake Tech. Schedule somebody trash on the road. Go to Wake Tech. Play them on their soccer field. Outfield of the baseball field. I don't care what we have to do. Wear it then. If you're going to schedule an ACC opponent on the road, don't wear the IC uniforms. It's got to stop. <laughs> Yep, and you know, Matt, we're going to App State on the road. I mean, it's coming up soon. Who knows? It might even be next season. And I, I already know that that's probably going to be a game that we're wearing the icy uniforms. But here's the thing, Matt, and this is the thing that just boggles my mind. I was at that game quite a few years ago, I guess, at this point, where Miami goes to App State. App State was favored, actually favored in this game because they were hosting Miami the first time they ever had a big-time team like this coming to the rock um everyone on game day was hyping it up i remember they were picking app state biggest crowd of all time miami comes out there and just takes their brownies as roy williams <laughs> likes to say and just punch app state in the mouth and we're up like 20 points after the first quarter and didn't look back and i just don't see that type of resolve with unc in any of these games that i see like with some of these teams when they play on the road yeah, no, I mean, it's a problem. I think we get a little too high on our highs. I think we lose to Virginia Tech. I think we got too high preseason, and we lose to Virginia Tech. Then we get back grounded. We come back to Georgia State. We play well. Virginia Tech ch uh, chirps a little bit. Virginia. I mean, Virginia yep. chirps a little bit. And we go, oh, you know, you're trying to catch us off guard. Nope, we're good. We beat them. We talk trash. We get high. And then Georgia Tech levels us back again. And then we'll beat Duke by 30, probably. And then we'll get high because we have the victory bell. And we're playing a, probably an 0-5 for Florida State team the next week. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be like, oh, this is yeah. not the Coming in here, we're getting revenge. Revenge game. <laughs> we'll be high, right? And, but, but we can't get too high. Like, that's fine to be excited. That's fine to talk a little bit of trash. I love it. It makes the program exciting. But show it on the field. Like, you aren't a top program. I don't care what anybody says. Carolina football is not a top football program. I don't know who needs to be told that, but you're not. You can be, but you're years away because you keep falling off the dang cliff. So it's time to turn it around. It's time to play like a top football program and stop just acting like it. Hey, I mean, Georgia Tech, they took Clemson to the wire the week before, 14-8. to So it wasn't even like... I don't know, like they were waiting for UNC. They just got off an emotional loss, but somehow they were able to turn it around and get ready for the game. And this is something I want to hit on too. There, I, the announcers were talking about this a lot. I don't know what the Twitter sphere was saying about it, but their coach, they just kept showing him with this energy, reminded me of the great Buzz Williams, great man. Oh, Lord. But this guy, even with football, just because you're excited doesn't mean that you're going to win the game. So I don't want to think that, oh, just because they had excitement for the game and momentum, they're going to win. No, that's not how it works. We see all these great teams. You don't have to be jumping up and down, like getting so high just to win games. That doesn't have to happen. It comes through the preparation. And it was clear that our preparation was not there this week. Um, Duke, well, I guess we'll get into the recap or 
preview later this week, so I'll, I'll hold off on that for right now. But um, should be a better um, opposition for us this week than Georgia Tech with what they pose. Yeah, and that's another uh, just example of like the cockiness of the program is like, you think you're that good that you can take it easy on anybody? Like, what makes you think Georgia Tech has much better football history than us? Georgia Tech played great last week against Clemson. Um, you really think you're that good to take the week off and that you can take it easy and beat Georgia Tech? No, you can't take it easy and beat Florida State, who was bad last year. So that mindset has to quit. Like, I don't even think we need to even focus on X's and O's. I think we just need to have a, an awakening of what is our mindset going into every game and – you know, I think that's a big problem. And then, you know, Will, I left the podcast last week saying we better not lose this game, and we did. So I'm not going to sit here and say Duke is a win. I mean, we're going to talk about that in the future, but, like, I'm not going to say it yet. They're going to have to prove to me every game is a win for now on. We're going to have to get deep into that Duke pregame because, hey, I mean, there might be a backup quarterback that runs all over us on that team. And we, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I guess we might have to do a little bit of research too, but – well, we'll get into the score predictions real quick. We were actually kind of close with what we were thinking. Just we hit the wrong. Uh, we I guess we we might not have signified who we thought was going to have which score. I had thirty four twenty four with uh, Georgia Tech covering the twelve and a half points. Matt had it a little tight with the spread at least thirty five fourteen with the twelve and a half point spread, um, and then the final score ended up being forty five twenty two. So. The, the game, I guess, in terms of like what you expected to happen, kind of went the way we expected. I guess the over hit, too, this week. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, because the over was kind of mid to low 60s. So, so yeah, any thoughts on that? That with the, I mean, the score kind of worked out the way that we thought it would. Just Yeah, I mean, I just thought, you know, Virginia, we proved we can score. Virginia Tech, we proved we can defend. I was like, oh, well. Maybe we'll do both. <laughs> well, we did it. We did one for one half and the other for another half. Um, 22 points offense isn't going to win you most games. So most of it's on you. Uh, giving up 45 also isn't going to win you a game. So, God, I don't know, Will. I just think uh, I can't look at either side of the ball and go, hey, fix it and we'll be good. Like both sides of the ball just need to be more consistent. And um, I look forward to playing Duke, and we'll talk about that. Absolutely. Noon kick. Maybe that'll help humble ourselves, too, yeah. that we're not playing at nighttime now. Well, we get another night game, Will. I saw Florida State will be at 3. Yeah. It came out today. 3. Well, we get another 7.30 game, and do we deserve another 7.30 game? Well, we're definitely playing Notre Dame at oh. nighttime on Saturday, which have fun going to that game, Matt. <laughs> I, I, Don't might, talk You might have played yourself on, on getting tickets for that game. <laughs> Congratulations, you played yourself. Yeah, we're going to have to definitely uh, do some memes on that one because all of us Carolina fans uh, that are making that trade going to be real fun. Notre Dame, a great environment. But I was thinking college game day, Will, and I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen at this point. It's going to be fun still, though. Um, go Heels, though. Go we, Heels. You know, Absolutely Tar Heel till I die. Anytime. Yeah, great day to be a Tar Heel. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. get into the GoFundMe sports. I mean, we got women's soccer balling out against Clemson. Like, come on, show me the money. <laughs> um, field hockey knocked off number four, 14 UConn on Sunday. 
great result also, multi-goal victory. Uh, volleyball team has just been having the year of, one of the best years of all time for UNC volleyball. It's unreal. We started the season 11-0. Wow. Um, yeah, it's incredible. That well, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I knew we were doing well. I didn't know we were. Yeah. Really now we played a fantastic Pittsburgh team, which Pittsburgh has has a great volleyball program, and they gave it to us. But um, yeah, no, we're we're looking good with that. So yeah, since others, I've been at Carolina, we haven't been a volleyball school really. So that's we got a lot of graduate players that have been playing well for us. So that's huge. So if nothing else, support our all our other programs because they haven't dropped off one bit. Yeah, uh, for uh, exercise sports science class today toward the soccer field. And, uh, you know, just looking at all those uh, national championships over there on that wall. But it is time for us to get another one. Um, the year is coming. We have been to like four straight uh, cups or whatever. Um, but it's time to get the big one. Hey, Matt, let me ask you this. How much did it warm your heart yesterday and, and heal some of these wounds Seeing the picture of Mike Carter and Javante Williams with the jersey swap post game, it warmed my heart, but it also made me think, "Gosh, just come back, <laughs> just come back." And I know even Sam Howe was thinking the same thing because he posted on his story with like two crying faces, pretty much. Sam, I understand what you're saying. You need that running back blocking. You need that running back running. I get it. Those two guys, I love to see it though. Um, we have Tar Heels in the NBA. Well, if we keep doing this, we're going to have Tar Heels in the NFL. We're going to have to start doing. Um, I love those two guys. I hope I, Javante got his first career touchdown Big this time. weekend, which is awesome. I know Mike. Well, he, and he's also been balling out too. Yeah, so it's been, been a great. matter of time. He yeah. just hadn't gotten in, 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 um, in the end zone yet. I know uh, Michael Carter's time is coming soon. He's just with a bad team right now. So yeah. Jets kind of suck. I mean, <laughs> but he is the lead rusher, and Cole Holcomb for Washington. Yet again, the leading tackler the other day, multi, like over 10 tackles. It's insane what he's doing. Yeah, and I'm excited to see uh, one of our favorite uh, Switzer back this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I love to see all these alumni in the NFL um, doing it up. So Yeah, he said uh, he's, he's going to be there to get the team back on track. Yeah, <laughs> and he's had some good games against Duke, so maybe he can bring some, some good luck to us. But watch your GoFundMe sports because they're doing great. Still support the football team because they will be great. And uh, Tar Heels are always great. Absolutely. And get ready for late night in HD coming to you October 15th. That's right. Go Heels. Go Heels.